0: <laughs> this fucking stupid camera you spend $500 on a fucking camera and it's like, it's got buffer on it Oh, <laughs> it's buffering yeah, cool, great maybe I'll take some fucking pictures with it that are probably better on a phone anyway It off podcast episode 62 sorry it's not 69 we'll get there hopefully by the end of next year we'll be at 69 at the rate we're going it might take two years for us to get to that magical number 69 uh by the way i have an air conditioner going does it sound like i have an air conditioner going
1: you, no, I can't hear you, but I I know mine definitely does, so, but you can only hear it when I talk, because I put a gate on it, so when I talk, you hear a little.
0: <laughs> That's little, what I was noticing earlier, I was like, what the hell is that, when he's talking, it sounds like the room, but it's also not.
1: Yeah, I don't know why Discord was gating it, but whatever, I think it just naturally um, has a gate, it must.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's just like Skype or whatever that has like all that background, canceling shit kind of in, in place anyway.
1: But well, guess what? It's 95 degrees outside. Not turning off the dude, air Dude, I'm not...
0: Dude, audio quality? Kiss fuck my ass. that. Get out of my face. My truly is developing sweat in a room where I have the door closed and this air conditioner has been running nonstop. Like, it's just around the clock this thing's going. Uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with poor ventilation in, in here, probably, uh, I'm probably just breathing in freon. Hey, all the time. As long as it's chilly, boy. Mm-hmm. Guy, have that meat locker. Fifty-seven thousand BTUs of cold generating power coursing through my dude. I w- Becky went out. I made this bomb-ass salad for lunch. I made a super bougie salad because I got like a whole crate full of fucking vegetables from Misfit Market,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which, which I realize is already a bougie sentence. Just saying that in general.
1: Well, misfit but market then, makes it sound like you're getting bunk ass vegetables.
0: You you do, but actually, you get them less than you think. The uh, the one that I got before was imperfect foods.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That stuff. was the
0: one where you'd get some peanut like a you like a zucchini shaped like a penis, and so like it was about fifty fifty. Most of the time, it was like you would get probably eighty percent. Normal vegetables, but then you'd get a sweet potato that looks like an ass, which is actually great for their thing because you could put it on Instagram and be like, oh, you know, my carrot looks like a dick, you know, and then that's like free marketing for them. Yeah, but they, with they Misfits Market, they it, revel in the dick <laughs> They're like, dude, as many titty shaped tomatoes as you can put in this bin. Do the ugliest ones you can find. Uh. I like the idea of it, first of all, because it's a shitload of vegetables for, like, no money. Um, I think I pay, like, $25 or 30 bucks every two weeks to get this giant crate of vegetables that I can't even, like, get through. Like, I end up just one day out of the whole, like, when I get it, I end up just cooking a, a ton of shit, just, like... What can I put all these vegetables like a, I'm making a vegetable ragu
2: <laughs> <The> weekly
0: stew. <laughs> so it's like I'm in an army barracks and it's like we got to fucking get all this shit before it goes bad. So I just cram it into everything. I have a whole bag in my freezer of frozen fucking like fruits because I got like crates of like blueberries and strawberries and blackberries and I got a pineapple and all of this shit. And so I just quickly chopped through everything, put it in a Ziploc bag, flattened it out, put it in the freezer, and now it's like I'll put it in a cocktail or I'll grind it up into something. It's the only way I can get rid of this shit. So anyways, I made this bougie-ass salad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. You could do, like, quick smoothies in it. I, I have a fucking, um, I have a ninja blender that came with my coffee maker, but in the move, when we moved, I lost all of the cups. The blender cups, lost. They're all gone. I have the blade and the base. That's it. So I got now. I gotta get all the blender cups again. Um, But anyway, that would be great. Uh, I this one today. I or yesterday, I got it. Was beets. I got beets in it. Just hell yeah, dude. Some goddamn beets.
1: Beets are delicious. So
3: what I did was cook them in vinegar. I did them in lemon juice, but, um, I got apples too. So what I did was I
0: chopped everything super, super thin. Like it was almost like little, like, uh, Chips. uh no, uh, shoestrings. So like everything was okay. like Julianne, like super almost. And then I did the apples and the beets that way. And then I hit, I hit them in a pan, like really hot. Mm-hmm. Just kept turning them, turning them, turning them, turning them. Salt, pepper, lemon juice. And then I
3: made a uh, salad, and I put some goat cheese on it. And uh, fucking almonds. Cucumbers. You, it, dude, it was like having an afternoon brunch. But anyways, what led me into this
0: train of thought was you saying that it's so fucking hot outside. I it, And the difference between inside and outside is I... When outside, I sweat through this salad like I've never, I've never felt like I had the meat sweats eating a salad. It's like you'd figure, oh, it's so crisp and refreshing. But I'm sitting out on my porch, just trying to muscle through it, and I'm like, sweat, sweat. So I it finished the salad, and I walk back inside, and it was like a, it was like fucking peppermint pat, York's peppermint patty, like on top of a mountain. You felt the rush of fucking cold air come into the. Oh, it's invigorating. It's beautiful.
1: It's fuck beautiful, man.
0: Dude, I lo- there is nothing better than the relief you feel when, especially like it, maybe if you're not even at your house, if you're out in the world, and it's like it's so fucking hot, and then you're just like, all right, I can't stand this anymore. I'm gonna go into whatever store. And then you go in, and those sliding doors open, and it's a fucking blast
3: right into your face. You can't buy that. That's, I mean, you could. that's for free. You, I mean, you could. Um, It'd be pointless having sliding doors at your house, but... Uh, <laughs> I feel like...
0: Going out into the world now, speaking of that, is so fucking stupid. Like, I've never felt a more, like, sense of fucking righteous indignation just walking out into the populace than I have,
3: like, over the past few weeks. And, you know, fucking nobody wants this to be the coronavirus podcast, I get it. However.
1: So far, it's, that's what it's been. Every time we recorded, it. so it's why, okay. Why Look, it's a chronicling.
0: It it's a chronicling of what's going on through the lens of somebody who's pissed off. Oh wow! <laughs> what's going on? Look, everybody you is. You gotta search
3: real hard to find this. Oh my god! What an asshole! I'm just saying to you, as this podcast is my form of very inconsistent therapy, <laughs>
0: that. I fucking can't stand the weird conspiracy theory shit that continues to happen. It felt like at least when we did this a month ago, like if we, you know, the last time we did this, it felt like that shit was kind of like, you know, kind of at the bottom of the barrel. You know what I mean? The the, the cream had not risen to the top, so to speak. And then, now, since then, the past few weeks, I've just been seeing the most, like... Have you ever seen All Gas No Breaks?
2: Oh, is it
1: a movie?
0: No, it's a... Um, what's your guy that you like that goes out to cons and interviews people? Joe Joe goes.
1: Yeah, I Joe guess. something. Yeah, I haven't watched. I haven't seen those. In, like, I don't. Even well, know no. This is that's why him. I'm
0: saying is is all gas no breaks is the new version of that, but it's not cons. It's a guy who goes out to like areas that are famously fucked up. So like he, um, the most recent one was a Fourth of July party in Maryland. And the guy goes out in like a full-on suit to the beach. He wears a suit like every time. Mm -hmm. And all he does, he barely says a fucking word. All he does is shove a microphone into people's face and just let them go off. And the most recent one that he did was
3: the most representative of this in our age bracket and below that I've ever seen. Like his whole concept
0: behind these videos is to not like normally on a, like a, like a daytime talk show or not a daytime, but like a, uh, what do you call, um, fucking Jimmy Kimmel's and all of those like late night t- talk shows, so, yeah. late night talk show. yeah
1: The opposite of the other
0: one, the other one. <laughs> you know, so they have mid-day the midday talk show in
1: the morning,
2: but I'm not talking There's about talk shows those all ones. the
0: time. I'm not talking about those ones in the morning. That's not the kind I thought, uh, where they have like the guy on the street segment where he goes out, but he kind of tries to bait people. You know what I mean? Like tries to kind of structure the conversation ahead a certain way or to make them look stupid. This guy does nothing to influence these people's responses because you're literally watching an edited cut of him again, just shoving a microphone into some stupid asshole's face and letting them scream in it forever. And this Maryland one with all these dudes out on the beach was I've I remember it's so fucking out of control, dude. I I'm going to quote one of the guys. He goes up to this group and and honestly, you can't throw a cat without hitting somebody in a group like This speech is fucking packed with people with no mask on. Nobody's got a fucking mask on. He goes up to this one group and he goes, he goes, so, uh, so what are you guys out here to do? And he's like, we're out here to fucking party. Like he's, you know, the normal bro guy. (coughs) There's a girl standing next to him. And he goes, he goes, yo, dude, I'm all, this is what I'm all about. I'm all about bad bitches now meanwhile now I just want to describe what this guy looks like. He's as fat as I am and fucking, you know, beer gut hanging out. And he's probably like 26. He's got the worst fucking like neck beard hair like comb over type Shit, like premature premature balding type thing going on. And this girl standing next to him. Now, she's not unattractive, she's attractive, right? Mm-hmm. Regular old run-of-the-mill, bikini attractive. He goes, I'm all about three things: bad bitches, cocaine, and truly. <laughs> and so she and then the camera pans in on her face and she's like has this completely like indignant look on her face like uh like what the fuck did he just say he repeats it fucking like two other times but then in between him saying that the guy the interviewer and actually i think funnily enough i think his name is andrew (laughs) the interviewer goes to the girl now Mm -hmm. and he's like um I think he asks her the same question and then he's still rambling on, like going on, carrying on, carrying on. And he, he asks him who this is. Like, he's like, I don't know if he was like, is this your girlfriend or is this, you know, whatever he's like, yeah, this, this one of my bad bitches right here. Like, we're like real good friends. Uh, And, and then he points and he's like, is he your real good friend? And she's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're good friends. He and he's like, yo, Kane. And then he goes, then he goes, yo, I ate her ass out like five times. (laughs) And then the girl goes, and then the girl goes, (laughs) Darren. Like, in the tone of like, where you absolutely know that he did it. And that she's embarrassed.
2: It's
0: like, oh my God. I found it. I found the most recent one on a Reddit thread. I had watched his other videos before it, and one of the first comments was like, "Yo, the way that girl said that shit <laughs> was like the most telling thing of the whole video." So, oh, Darren,
1: why do I think I saw that somewhere?
0: Uh, <laughs> he he um, he's gone viral somewhat. Okay, maybe
1: so, uh, maybe someone someone uh busted out that
0: part. He's got, um, his, his, I think I've
1: seen that part, like in,
3: like a gift form.
0: Yeah. Like his Andrew Callahan is the guy's name. Mm -hmm. And like, he goes to the coolest fucking ones. Like he goes to Talladega super speedway is one of his most popular videos. 4th of July uh, that Michigan one. Yep. He does these interviews with these dudes in Florida that are absolute batshit insane. He's gone to a bunch of coronavirus lockdown protests and interviewed people. He went to the AVN Expo. That would be probably the only one that was more like a Joe Goes. He went to Midwest Fur Fest and uh, AVN. Oh, okay. Uh, and a Flat Earth Conference, which was...
1: I can imagine.
0: Good. Shit, dude. It's, the guy makes great fucking videos. But anyway, Have enough of mine. promoting somebody else's fucking shit. <laughs> but I can't recommend it enough. Uh, okay, I got, it's, a, I got a real question for
2: you.
1: A real, go. real question. Okay. So, you know when you, your like, taste buds start to change, right? And you start to get a taste for something? That happened to me. I used to think hummus was disgusting.
0: Yes. Now
1: I really like it don't know why but that's not the how best. did
0: it come into your life
1: i know it's i all it's always been in the fridge you know does your mean? mom eat it yeah she always eats, eats it so, so, at one point i just gave it a try i'm like yeah you know what i'm digging that
0: i mean and in fairness i would feel like your mom would probably buy the most accessible flavors of hummus versus just something that would be like the normal everyday run-of-the-mill one so it's like spinach and artichoke hummus, this is a fucking spinach and artichoke dip, how bad could it be? Well, that's besides the,
1: but the, the point I'm trying to make here is, so, how co- first of all, that S- S- Sam- Samba, is that the brand with the red top?
0: Uh, Sabra.
1: Sabra. First of all, they're supremely spicy, isn't even a little spicy, so don't fall for that shit. Because... Well, to you. <laughs> no, I, to anybody. I could taste when something's... Oh, like, Frank's Red Hot is spicy.
0: Right. You can I get taste what you mean. the
1: spice in it. Yeah. You can't even taste... It doesn't even taste spicy. That's one. That's bullshit. Don't fall for it. Because I was at the Walmart, and they had...
0: I gotta have the spicy one.
1: They had a Walmart pepper one, but they had this one that said supremely spicy. And first of all, Walmart is like two bucks for a thing of it. And it tastes the exact same. It's the fucking $4 one. So if you're at the Walmart, go for the Great Value fucking hummus. (laughs) It's not not even Great Value. It's like their marketplace.
0: Yeah, they got a whole mid-range shit going on now with all that stuff.
1: It's one of those things. But yeah, if you're at the... So my real complaint is why did they say it's like garlic or pepper flavored but all they do is just Take a scoop of garlic and throw it in the middle. Mmm. Why? That is a...
0: That's a cultural thing. Is it? Yeah, so when hummus is made normally, it's typically done where you have the one giant thing of hummus in the middle of the table Uh because in Turkish and Mediterranean, you know, style cooking, it's all done largely, like, family style, so...
1: So then you almost wh- have, like a, like, a tray of different minced things that you kind of yes. you dip the hummus in and then you dip it in that, or you put a little spoon of garlic on it or something?
0: Very similar to how a chutney would be in Indian culture, where it's, like, a chutney isn't necessarily just a sauce, it's actually a giant tray of shit that comes in where it's like a thousand sauces and like all different kinds of like condiments and whatnot. The same thing applies to Mediterranean. So it's basically on every single table in a Mediterranean household is fucking um,
1: pepper flakes and
2: minced. it would
0: be all that a giant tub of hummus a big brick of feta a bunch of cucumbers sliced up, like just with, and 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 the cucumber sliced up, but would literally just have like olive oil and lemon juice on it Mm -hmm. and like salt and pepper. That's it. And then everything is kind of just laid out around that. So it's just 15,000 things of pita, big ass bowl of hummus, condiments, feta cheese. And that's how you kind of build the rest of it. And the way they eat is essentially if you have a big, like, fish like a branzino or some shit like that like just some big ass head on whole fish that's usually another thing it's kind of mediterranean mm-hmm. you just take your big ass scoop of fish you take your scoop of hummus you basically make yourself like a pita sandwich and you use the pita to eat like you use it as a pocket to Bet- just pick up shit and you just not only i mean you can make it like that but glob. also you just literally use it as a glove to pick up shit like you just take the pita a little piece of it you gr- grab a huge chunk of shit on your plate in between the pita and just inhale that.
1: So what you're saying is, so when you get those containers, you're supposed to scoop the outside and then get a little bit from the inside.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and you can stir it completely in. I don't think there's any... That's the other thing. I really hate when people get precious about shit. Like, you know how precious people get about sushi? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever seen where it's like it's someone's like, let's say it's like a piece of sushi, but it's the kind where you have the fish on top of it. So it's like, it's, it's not a roll. It's, um, nigiri sushi. So, which is just the little packed in rice and then the fish on top. People get precious about that. Like if someone gets their little plate that they get at the fucking sushi place and they put their soy sauce in it and then they mix in some wasabi Already you've got fucking 50% of America's population pissed off that you mixed wasabi in with your fucking soy sauce. And then additionally, if you don't take your sushi and dip it in fish side first and kind of swipe it through the soy sauce, fucking forget it, man. You're an idiot. You're, you're, you're a fucking loser. You should rice, never eat sushi ever the again.
1: soaks up the, the soy sauce.
0: Now that's what they're gonna tell you and, and look, I don't I don't disagree with that concept, but what they'll tell you is that the having so much what? soy sauce no,
1: that, is gonna
0: ruin the taste of the fish.
1: Oh. Well, no, I was saying that as a good thing.
0: That's you though. That's Mr. Salt. <laughs> let's get that salt in there, bud. Come on. Let's get some sriracha, let's mix okay, it with so, some mayo, let's get some boom boom sauce going, so baby. Prob-
1: so the problem with the hummus is. I ended up eating all the pepper in the middle.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And now I got plain ass hummus. Left.
0: You know how many people do that shit, man? Like, it's one of those uh, things. Also,
1: because it was supposed to be supremely spicy, but it wasn't at all. So I'm trying to get like scoops of pepper. Like,
0: let's get the spicy. Can on. We get
1: some spice going in this beast?
0: Look, if you want to be a real fucking boss, dude. You got those pepper plants going outside. Oh, I was thinking about it. I was looking up some hummus recipes. Oh, it's so fucking easy. Dude, olive oil, tahini, chickpeas, fucking your peppers. Yeah. I I mean, you cook your peppers down.
1: Garlic reaper hummus.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And it don't got to be nothing crazy. It's just cans of chickpeas. It's like, rinse them.
2: No, no, if I,
1: I gotta get fancy stuff, fancy chickpeas. If I'm gonna fucking
0: oh, like you go for a bag and soak them and do all that shit.
1: Oh yeah, if I'm if I'm using my special peppers from my special plant that I grew, I, might as I agree well with use you. Use top shelf. I agree with
0: you. Uh, yeah, you go over to Shinatry's and get yourself some tahini. That's not a very common uh, it's not a very common ingredient. You're not gonna. F- I mean. I think, actually, they do have it in most grocery stores now in the uh, Kosher for Passover section. What is it? Tahini is um, sesame butter. It's basically if you made peanut butter out of sesame seeds, toasted sesame seeds. It's like, it's fucking super dense. um, And it's what makes hummus have that nutty flavor going on. Without that, it would taste like real weird, like alkaline. Oh, I was seeing like, Chickpeas pine are nuts. very. Pine nuts are typically the. Was that,
1: is it that instead? Or? Are the
0: topper. No. The pine nuts don't blend into it. The pine nuts would be the traditional thing that you put in the center like you would find. The only reason why you don't find that at the store is because pine nuts are $50,000. They're extremely oh, expensive. Yeah, yeah,
1: I know. They, uh, when I worked in the produce department, uh, that's where they kept them. And they were like 10 bucks for like a little tiny container.
0: Oh dude, it's crazy. Um, yeah, most of, most of the traditional setups are you like in Mediterranean, you would make the hummus, you would, you, you'd put the little pool in the center, you'd sprinkle the pine nuts on. You put garlic in the center, you squeeze a lemon over the top of it, and you do a little bit of olive oil back over the top, and that's your traditional setup for a plate of hummus. That's, like, the normal way. The way that they did it, that's up at the, uh, I don't know if it's still there, but in near uh, Utica College, there's this place called the Phoenician that does, like, fucking bomb-ass Mediterranean food. I fucking hate this thing. I'm getting it out of my way. Um, that That place is really good. Um, where where is it right up where where you're heading towards utica college yeah and there's that i think the friendlies is up there yep like you know where i'm talking right in there first there's a there's an indian place that's right down that road that's called that's that's near the ihop it's coming up from the ihop
1: okay so it's
0: called menar there's the it's right on the corner yeah and then the Phoenician used to be right near that. I don't know if it's still there anymore, but that's like a traditional Lebanese restaurant. Uh, if you want to have a coffee that you think you would be able to handle, and this is a, this is Dylan talking. Uh, this is 300 milligram Dylan. If you want to have a coffee that will change the way you think about your absorption of caffeine, uh, they have a, a Turkish coffee. That's like syrup. Um, Becky and I got it at the end of our dinner one time with like some ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was going to die.
1: It is still there, like, by the way.
0: Is it? Yes. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, that place is very good. Minar's good, too. That's really good Indian food. Have you ever even... What's... Is that even a thing for you? What? Indian food. I've had it once
3: was did it
1: I liked it I just I don't know I just never had it again Huh I had the uh, the basic like curry bowl with the noodles and yeah. stuff I had one of those yeah at at the uh, there's a place in Syracuse
3: I don't think it's still there anymore What about Thai food Thai All right I'm going to be honest I might have had Thai or Indian I can't remember which one it was well, so
0: typically, the, when you they're, said noodles... They're very similar, right? N- well,
1: or is Indian Indi-
0: food... The curry that we think about when we think about Indian food is sauce-based. Yeah. So, like, Maybe it it's was- very saucy. Thai food and Vietnamese food are centered around noodles. Vietnamese is ramen and pho. And then Thai food is pad thai, which is flat noodles. Uh-huh and um vietnamese has a lot of like lemongrass and like brighter type of shit going on um a lot of tamarind like a orangey orangey type flavors okay there's key i mean there's pretty key differences between
1: i'm pretty sure it was thai mm. now so you I had a noodle bowl it. uh yes
0: -hmm. Like a peanut peanut sauce. That's another thing that's uh, very endemic of Thai food.
3: Uh, very spicy one I had. Uh, it was a curry one. (coughs) I'm looking at. Oh,
0: like a like a red curry. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is what's funny about Thai versus Vietnamese versus Indian food is that the curries that we're all talking about. A lot of people just think curry is an Indian food. Curry itself is actually just a food concept. It's like um curry is the same as grilling. Like I can have a grilled zucchini or I can have a curried zucchini. It's like a it's like a thing that happens all over the world. Like the the curry. Mm-hmm. It's just as common as any other thing that we do to food, but most people think it's only Indian food, but, um,
1: I feel like I've had
0: like an Indian spice type thing in in Indian. Yeah.
3: It's mostly what makes Indian food the way that it is. And what kind of get like the first time I ever had it was here. Oh. Oh, you're freezing up. Reason up. Your face is frozen. Did it cut out? There you go. You're oh, back. damn it! You're We're back. back. Anyway, um, so yeah, curries. Yeah, they're good, and uh, we should have more of them. Should bring you around. Hold up. My internet, this. my internet
1: God damn shut off, and then came back on real quick. I don't know what the hell that was about. Alright, we're good.
3: <laughs> it just shut off, like completely. Oh no. Oh, it's there catching up a little bit. It's spectrum's but... being a piece of shit right now. It's, like, literally
1: full-on Spectrum dropping. Ooh. Yeah, because I'm
3: landlined right now, and it's saying no internet connection. Ooh, nice. All right, let's see if it studies out. Thanks, Spectrum. America's greatest internet company. All right, it's better. All right.
0: (laughs) What are you saying? We should... Uh we should get some curries. Yeah. We should you, should you should come up. We should go and I was telling you about this place Saigon Spring. It's a Vietnamese place to get a bowl of ramen that's bigger than your head for like thirteen dollars.
1: Not the biggest ramen, um, yeah, because there was a reason. It, it was re- oh the egg. That okay. I like ramen. I just don't like the egg in it. I don't. Yeah, like-
0: you don't have to have that. Actually, the you know the egg is actually really not. That common in Japanese. Vietnamese ramen. Yeah, Japanese is where
3: the egg yeah. is. Not, um, not
1: like I went to a legitimate. I mean, uh, like a. I had it at the casino.
3: Yeah,
0: Which, they're I mean, going to put an egg in it because that's kind of the way that.
1: Yeah, it was like a, it was, but it was a, it was considered a Japanese style ramen because it yeah. sold sake there and
0: everything. The. Uh, the Vietnamese one is actually more focused on actually it's more focused on the sides, the little condiments. So like when you get when you get a bowl of pho or you get a bowl of ramen, um like a bowl of pho is like your giant ass bowl with the noodles and the meat, mm-hmm. and then the vegetables are all raw on the sides. So you get like crunchy shit like bamboo shoots and Um, bamboo shoots and water chestnuts
1: are two of my uh, favorite things.
0: You get that and then you get like Thai, or, um, uh, you get basil, like, um, Thai basil. And you kind of ruffle that up and throw that in there. And then they give you like a bunch of different chili oils and, um, hoisin sauce. (laughs) And so that all, you kind of stir all that into your shit. As you want it, kind of. Um, and like I said, the the size of these fucking bowls of pho is huge. Like, you get... Uh, and every person that I've ever brought there is, has loved it. Um, Even if they weren't really familiar with it, like, in general. There's, like, a noodle bowl that anybody would really like. It's like, oh, what is it? It's literally a beef noodle bowl. Like, yeah. do you like beef? Do you like steak? Like, do you like noodles? Do you like broth? Beef line uh, you you're going
3: to be good. Like, you're fine. Um, <clears throat> now I'm hungry. Hey, I just wanted to know what was up
1: with the center dollop of...
0: <laughs> That's uh, how we got here. It was like, what the fuck hummus? is that? <laughs> and then suddenly I went on into a Bourdain-esque
3: exploration of what makes the food the way that it is. <laughs> Somebody knocking at me? Hello. Is food here?
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Becky ordered food and now it's here.
3: All right. We can
1: break this uh, if you want. I'll just cut it together.
0: You want to break it in half?
1: Yeah. Again.
0: And away we go. So, uh, funnily enough, the food that so interrupted me in the first segment of the podcast was Thai food. <laughs> so, did you know I'll it was give you, Thai food? Uh, I, I kind of left it up to Becky somewhat, but I knew that it, it, it was one of the possibilities. He was either going to be that, or it was going to be Vietnamese, or it was going to be uh, Indian. So, it was like one of those. Right out, right out. Yeah. It's the only ones that come over in the DoorDash. Oh.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And now I just gotta pick my teeth on the podcast.
2: Well, Sounds same. really
0: good. It's very I mean you don't
1: have to. There's also an option.
0: You know. Could. When you get some when you get some herbage in your teeth, it's
3: you know, it's tough. It's tough to get out of there. Um, so I had <laughs>
0: Some uh, basil chicken thing with rice and uh, a soup with braised pork ribs in it. That was very good. And then some dumplings and a couple spring rolls. And Man. some cheese wontons. Jesus. Just a smorgasbord. We always do a smorgasbord. You got eat it for lunch the next
3: day so you have a little bit, you have a little bitty bite of everything, then you leave it for the next day. But uh, you know, life goes on. Anyway, now that I have the meat sweats
0: uh in a frigid cold environment which can't possibly explain the uh the strangeness
3: that that is, a cold, clammy, AC assisted sweat. Uh that's just wonderful. So beautiful. Mm, it feels really, really great. Well, here we are. I'm unprepared. I don't know. Let's,
0: Dylan. Let's let's make a new segment. Okay. How about we make a segment? Let's do like. Um, what do you got? Let's let's do like.
3: Uh, let me just look through some fucking like stupid news sites or some shit and right. we'll try to spin it off. I got okay,
1: let, let's try my segment first. Right? Go for it. Okay, it's Please. called How have you not seen that yet?
0: Oh, oh dun, dun, dun. wow.
1: Okay, that's how it goes. Dun, dun,
0: dun, okay. dun, 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 dun.
1: So so have you watched anything recently or ingested anything recently that you haven't before that there's it's almost like impossible that you haven't at this point
0: yes well okay okay. so i'm not sure i i'm I'm pretty sure i talked about it before this was a really long time ago so i think let's condense this to like over the course of the of our of the Backstreet Boys reunion tour, which is you know the code word for pandemic, um, what we you know what what I've seen where it was like yeah you know what I'm gonna finally watch that that's kind of the idea
1: yeah 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 and I'm seen, pretty heard, sure uh, oh. seen heard read played yes. you know X mm-hmm. Y Z
0: media
3: consumption yeah all right there's a few things under that need that umbrella. So I'm pretty sure
0: I talked about it on here before but it's probably worth spinning up a yarn again because I did really enjoy it so much was lost boys. Yeah, um
1: I don't, I don't know what you talked about. I think did, I did about, I, th- I we, we, we might have just talked about it off air. It was no I think it was the the uh the idea came up that you should watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, you and
1: referenced I, it for some reason and then I did
0: reference it. It was with a coworker that were that, that I actually referenced it and then I was like
1: I should watch yeah. that. Yeah.
0: I had one of those moments where it's like it's the same thing as like, should I really buy that t-shirt if I haven't seen the movie? It's like the I the same idea. It's like, should I really make that reference if I've never seen the movie before? Uh so sat down and watched it. Turns out it's a kitschy masterpiece of cinema.
3: Um and if you take it a- as what it is, you'll actually be very surprised. I think
0: that's the the key takeaway for me is I went into it thinking that it was going to be some uh, piece of shit schlock uh, thing, right? It has I, to be.
2: I, I,
1: I mean, no, I've never heard that about that movie, so I don't know.:
0: <laughs> well, I, I would just I just swear you that got that no, idea. All- I mean, all that I knew about the movie was, like, vampires, t- t- teen Banker vampire, yeah. bike years street And you
2: know, I was like, gang, oh,
0: vampire. this is going to be, this is going to be, like, what? I, I really went into it knowing that, like, okay, this is probably a very, like, nostalgic and referential piece of movie. And it's, there's a lot of reference that, are, that it's made to it. So mm-hmm. I kind of kept that in mind, thinking that, like, oh, people must reference this movie because it's, again, a joke, treat, tough, vampired, pretty boys They reference it because it's a like, joke. Not that's heck? good. That's what I had thought. Like, I would always be. And also, you know, you have the um, the Corey Feldman problem where it's like, if Corey Feldman's in the movie, can it really be a good movie? Like, do we know if it is or not? Goonies. Especially in that... Well, that's... Goonies is early. I'm saying in the Feldman era of, like, where he's starting to, like, try I, to, to be fair, do I think, something.
1: I think this was the, the movie that made him the way he was. Yeah. Like, he... They gave him a style, and then he just never... He's yeah. on stage at the Late Show with angel-winged ladies singing about some fucking... I don't even remember what the song was. They <laughs> just... That it per- was like some like straight up like
0: believe in yourself uh 80s yeah, stuff.
1: That performance was it was almost like a sequel to this movie. <laughs> like where Very are they so. oh where are they now?
0: Well, I could show you where Corey Feldman is now and um he is a shell of his former self, oh, a thought, person who I mean, could have started the Me Too movement if he actually was taken seriously.
2: <laughs> what
1: wasn't he Guy that you're talking about on the beach, saying it only about three things bad bitches, cocaine, and truly, like, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that Corey Feldman? I, I well, it's, on, on the video? Was
0: I was just like, Jesus Christ, I didn't know Corey Feldman was from Michigan. Uh, yep, cory Feldman, bad bitches, truly, and cocaine. Uh, the three T's, I have the three on his shopping list. It was a really it's a really good movie and the only reason why it's a good movie is because it's very stylistically identifiable. It, you have very much a It's a quality of filmmaking that doesn't that's kind of hard to capture now. Like it's a lot of people try to do it like unironically now capture like the 80s style of filmmaking. It's like making a comeback with your you know, your Panos Cosmatos and, you know, all that shit, like kind of the horror, horror 80s stuff.
3: I just, there's something about it that was really well done. And the, actually the worst
0: part of the movie was Corey Feldman. The best part of the movie was the main guy and Kiefer Sutherland were the best parts of the movie. Kiefer Sutherland is the best part of the movie.
1: You say I like, mean I've never seen it so I don't know I don't young even know how first... much I I've seen the cover and I've seen you know old Keefe yeah. on it.
0: He the reason why he's so good in the movie is because it shows that he he was a good actor kind of pretty much the whole ride. Mm-hmm. Like he he he's he's uh, above well above the other actors in the movie well above. And the Corey Feldman character. I, the the initial misconception I had about this movie was that Corey Feldman was going to be the main focus of it because all I had heard about this era was Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim. All those fucking movies that they did, the million sequels to Lost Boys and all that shit. Mm-hmm. I had always thought, oh, Corey Feldman. No, he doesn't really, to me, play a very crucial role in the movie. The ro- the, move- the role he plays is very juvenile and really weird. He Hmm. plays like a, almost like borderline on the spectrum, supposed vampire hunter kid. And they, they play him as like a, uh, they play him as a very like second banana, um, guy who's trying to do quips in a very serious way, but none of them land. Oh, nice. Like he's tried to do do like action movie uh, quips and they don't land very well because he's like trying to be tough. Trying to be like a tough boy. I don't really know what their intention was with it. Uh, But again, the concept of the movie in a general sense is um, this guy moves to uh, California and runs into this streetwise gang of toughs. that ride around on their motorcycles and they're all sexy and, you know, the the other thing is that what I found interesting about it was that the this is such a cliche thing to say but it really is true in the case of this movie is that Los like Los Angeles plays, the, plays a character. Mm-hmm. The um, setting of the movie is pretty much actually more important than a lot of the characters are. Really just in a, in the sense of like it paints the picture, so they don't have to. You see like oh cool, they're down on the boardwalk, and oh cool, you know it's like other oh, it's the beach, and oh cool, it's like the little the cave thing that they all live in. it's got that like um it's a very Los Angeles vibe to it, it's got a very California vibe to it, um but That's something that I saw that I that I would think you know you would think I would have already seen, but it's also before my time. It doesn't really make sense for it. It would make more sense if it was like a movie from the '90s that I had never seen before. But this is like well before I was born. Yeah. So I
1: mean, you're never. It's not terrible. Those type of movies, anyways, right?
0: No, I I mean, I think I am now. I think I like it now. I, I I think I like it now because again, it it's more of a.
2: Look, but like m-
1: you, you like the movies that are coming out now that are the throwbacks, so you want to actually see the originals.
0: Yeah, what, I kind of like, want to see what where they're like, coming the from. Ideas pulling from. Yeah, and and me and I think it actually kind of led me down a path of wanting to explore more of those movies, like trying to see if there is some some of those classic films that I've always been kind of dubious about, in, especially in the '80s. Like, I definitely want to watch like some Cronenberg, like that's one of the ones that's always been on my list as watch. Like the I really fly. loved the fly. I love that. I actually have seen that multiple times. I've just never seen any of the rest of his movies like fucking video drone. I've head? always, no, no, that's, that's uh, 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 David Lynch. That's right. Yeah. Similar. Um, I, I have also w- always wanted to see a razor head. It always panicked me to see it because it, it sounds absolutely, uh, it's a fucking fever dream. um, but uh it's because it, i actually know i think i would like it because it's body horror but mm-hmm. i've been getting a little bit more into that recently okay so here's another thing
1: you've seen it uh, it follows right
3: yes yeah yep uh so as far as um reading is concerned i've been reading a lot more just got
0: through a book about uh, quack medicine, which is fucking fascinating. Uh, highly recommend it. It's called Quackery. It's written by an internal medicine doctor. Like a duck. I actually read...
3: What? Like a duck. Like a duck. Quackery like a duck. Uh, it's basically the idea of the book is...
0: Remember back in 1927 when... The only cure you had for your pain was to take a heroin and call me in the morning. Uh, that's the whole concept of the book is exploring the godfathers of and mothers
3: of. M- the earliest forms of medicine, like. Just
0: after which doctor, but just before DNA, like we're we're we'll meet you in the middle we're right in the we're right in the thick of it in in the turn of the century it's you know again 1910 1920 doctors are trying to like balance some chakras they're trying to like they don't they don't know what makes the blood do what it does but
1: maybe if we when left, you maybe cut it you got too much you got too much is, let a little bit of it out
0: uh I'm not kidding you. What you just said is exactly the rationale, but it's behind a very popular bloodletting concept yeah. in the 1910s, which was like, we knew, we know about bloodletting, but the, but there was one doctor who was like, th- there were just as many doctors that said your blood is poisoned, right? Yeah. That's why you would let it out so that you create more blood.
2: Yeah. You get but the there bad, would just as,
0: yeah, you get, the, yeah, bad you get the bad blood.
1: You gotta, it's an oil change. Give you gotta get it out.
0: Change. Mm-hmm. Sure it should work uh there were just as many doctors that thought it was poison blood as there were doctors that thought you had too much and th- what they said was the reason was because if you had too much blood that could cause disease because your organs would overflow like like you oh you got too much blood in your body that's why your liver's not working because there's too much blood in there
1: I mean it's it, it's kind of true for why you have a headache why you get a Dude. headache because you got your blood vessels do a dilate no yes dilate dilate head, yep. so they got mm-hmm. you know basically they got more blood going through them so if you got a headache you know just get a little drill just let a little bit yeah, of that perfect. blood
0: out just like that, in the movie pie where he gives himself a lobotomy
1: get a little get like a little bit of that blood out you're good to go. Ooh. No headache.
0: Uh they talk about lobotomies in there. They talk about the holes in the head.
1: They get into like uh, shock therapy, or is that yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. They they got into they got into shock therapy and they and what they do, which I think is really great for this type of book, because it's cool that it's like all of this shit where it's like interesting, but then also at the end of every chapter, they explain how they could have been correct in thinking what they thought
2: mm-hmm. and
0: just how they executed it wrong. So it's like shock therapy is one of those things that we modified to suit a better purpose later on down the road using the same technology or, you know, the bloodletting thing when we're talking about, you know, stuff like a blood transfusion yeah. there, it, it all leads to a certain area, but they it's, were, but it's they all
1: super wrong, but their execution was a little, you wouldn't hey, be what, able to write <laughs> what else you got a wire coming out the wall. What, what else are you going to do with it?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, you couldn't have written that book, you know, even 40 years later in the 60s and 70s and had people think, you know, uh, had people think, oh, Jesus, what were they doing back then? It could only be written now just based on how far it's come, the only reason why we're shocked uh, from what we're hearing is because we're so fucking far removed from it. And we're so far ahead of it. Thank yeah. God. Uh, but it's not, it, it doesn't necessarily go in line with the theme of what you're talking about, which is a thing that I should have. It's mainly just a piece of media that I really liked. Um, I am quit, though.
1: We're trying to take my bit, right? Jesus.
3: I'm not trying. I'm
0: just grasping at straws. <laughs> Uh
3: there is one thing that's kind of related to that which is um have you ever heard of the author of Haruki Murakami? Maybe he's a he is a Japanese fiction writer okay that has won a shit load
0: of awards he is one of the most prolific and sought-after artists of literature By in the modern age. Um, He's written A Wild Sheep Chase, Norwegian Wood, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, Kafka on the Shore, and IQ84, which is his most
3: recent one. Kafka um, on the Shore. Kafka on the Shore. Uh It was among the best books of 05 from the New York times and received the world fantasy award for 06. Um, he, his writing Dylan, I swear to God
0: is so fucking hard to read. Cool. Um, that sounds like, and well, it's one of those things where, you know how, like, you know, um, James Joyce, like, uh, Ulysses, or, or, um, what yeah. the hell is the other one? Uh, Infinite Jest, where it's like the book is completely incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like that, but also the weird thing about it is that you, you can read it. I, I, can, it's very hard for me to describe. The way that it reads is the guy is very Dickensian in how he describes everything. Everything has a, and then he walked over to the phone, picked up the receiver, put it to his ear hole. The sound came out of the line and into his ear. He then transcoded this mess. Like it has like that it bore me. Um, I guess I, and I don't, that's what I'm trying to understand. Sometimes it's more for me. About trying to understand
3: why something is the way that it is. Rather than what it is. Like. Um, I. I don't.
0: I, I don't know if it maybe has something to do with the way that it's translated. Or if it's like. It could be. I, I mean. But the thing is though.
3: Every time I look on my fucking Kindle. He's in all of the lists. That. Say, like, oh God,
0: the best novels this year and and shit like that and, did you and try like
3: try to read one,
2: or yeah, I'm
0: trying oh, to read one God. right now. I, I'm trying to read um, and I was literally, literally done, I was almost thinking about getting a fucking spark notes, <laughs> 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 like like to try to to try to like kind of understand
1: I mean at that point,
0: I just just stopped reading the book. I'm giving if it's
1: so uninteresting that it uncaptivated, is it even interesting you at all? It it is. Let me like, is it stringing I, here... you stringing you along to try to like a story that you're interested in?
0: I'm gonna give you the first paragraph of the plot summary because this actually is how far I've made it in the in in it. Okay. So
1: which one is this? What book is this it? This
0: is the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. It's actually three books in one. Okay. I didn't
1: know know which one you were talking about. Yeah.
0: The first one is called The Book of the Thieving Magpie. Nice. The first part, The Thieving Magpie, begins with the narrator, Toru Okada, a low-key and unemployed lawyer's assistant, being tasked by his wife, Kumiko, to find their missing cat. Kumiko suggests looking in the alley, a closed-off strip of land behind their house. After Toru stays there for a while with no luck, Mei Kasahara, a teenager who had been watching him camping out in the alley for some time, questions him. She invites him over to her house in order to sit on the patio and look over an abandoned house that she says is a popular hangout for stray cats. The abandoned house is revealed to possibly contain some strange omen as it had brought about bad luck to all of its prior tenants. It also contains an empty well, which Toru uses later to crawl into and think. This is where you're, this is where I'm, and this is the weirdest cut in a plot line you'll ever hear in your life. Toru then receives sexual phone calls from a woman who says she knows him. He also receives a phone call from Malta Cano who asks to meet with him, who is a clairvoyant. So. Okay,
1: so he got the ghost in him when he went to the well?
0: I don't know, but just (laughs) to give you an idea of how... So, like, I I read you the first, like, real big beats in this plot. The sexual phone calls part is actually interstitial in the whole thing. It's basically, like, he's, like, walking around the house thinking about how the fuck he's going to find this cat. He gets a phone call. He picks up the phone. The lady's, like you know, at first isn't innately sexual, but almost in the tone of the book, it kind of takes on a phone sex operator type voice. Like
2: mm-hmm.
0: they try to explain it as like a mm, call now type of voice. So like immediately you're like, Oh, it, it's, but it also doesn't have anything to do with anything. I, as a plot point, it's, it, uh, it's basically juxtaposing this guy's incredibly mundane search for this cat with the occasional call he gets from some random-ass woman that he's never heard of and doesn't know who can actually personally identify him making sexual advances over the phone. So, I I, I don't know, like, there's a lot of shit. This plot is really big. Um,
1: okay, don't ruin it for me. Maybe I'll give it a try.
0: No, I mean, look, I think that, like... A lot of it is a lot of it is thematic, Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is presented in a way of it being very, um, character driven. They want you to see the characters, they want you to like understand them. They don't really necessarily need you to know about the plot, they kind of just want you to be like. Ooh, does that mean something? At least that's from my initial... Um, I mean, that's
1: what it sounds like. It's like, the phone but the section. Th- it's like, am I supposed to think it means something? I'm hoping so, otherwise, what's the point of this?
0: Yeah, and not, not only that, but I think also... it has
1: got to play into it, something else later on down the line.
0: Just reading his biography, like, in
3: general, just for his style, like, he... It's all endemic of the Japanese sensibility of
0: having a character that is a trait. So like this says any main character who is independent becomes a man who values
3: freedom and solitude over intimacy. So it's like he... Another notable
0: feature of Murakami's stories are the comments that come from the main characters as to how strange the story presents itself. Murakami explains that his characters experience what he experiences as he writes, which can be compared to a movie set where the walls and props are all fake. So, like, there's, like, some weird third wall, fourth wall shit going on here. There's some, like, um they said that he also like has aspects of like shamanism in his writing and japanese folk religion it all connects to something that sounds like something i should really like yeah where it's like a guy writing a story that's very um
1: i mean but it 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 does but you also don't have connection to like those japanese
0: yeah i think it's so centralized yeah it's
1: like almost like like uh playing through sekiro like it plays it's a like lot how of the ja- fuck am well, I supposed it to it understand plays on this? A, a lot of like <laughs> Japanese folklore and like stuff like that, but like if I you have no connection to it, it just seems how the like hell am I supposed to odd nonsense?
0: Well, yeah, and that's the other thing is that like he, you know, in the in the general thing about the book that I'm reading is basically um the the way that they're describing it is very war like it actually kind of has a ghibli thing to it you know how the subtext in a lot of ghibli films is the backdrop of of japan of war mm-hmm. like yeah. you know the wind rises and shit like that that all has that that sort of background and it's all some of it's also deeply apocalyptic but i think that's the other thing here is that like one of these things is like um he spends most of their sessions retelling the same story of his experience in the Kwantung army and the lost bank bat- tank battle with the Russians at Noman and the Manchuko Russian border during World War II. It's like, yeah, it's a character study, but you also, you know, they talk about a lot of shit. There's a lot of characters. It's a whole thing. Um, but anyway, that more feeds into the segment idea because... Morikami, I had just seen so many times, and I was like, "Why am I move? What is so special about this guy?"
2: Mm-hmm. uh
0: And so I'd like to give it a chance to really try to like. It's one of those things where you just see something as a challenge because you, I don't know. Sometimes was- books are a challenge.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they got it. Like otherwise, I mean they don't have. To I
0: mean, look, them. I could just I could just read Ready Player One until I fucking die, but.
1: What what was that one book you said? What was the name of it?
0: The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle was the one that I'm reading.
1: Oh, Oh,
0: IQ84 was the most recent one. That's the one that he... uh, Kafka on the Shore. Kafka? Kafka, like Franz Kafka. Oh, okay. Metamorphosis Kafka. I thought you
1: said Kefka, and I was wondering where I heard that name. It's because it's the the boss in... uh, what is it, Final Fantasy 6? Or 3? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It, he, he's a clown. The clown boss.
3: He's a clown. He, he's a yeah, fucking fine. clown.
1: Yeah, what fine. a clown. No, he's literally a, a clown. <laughs> he's a fucking clown. <laughs> <laughs> what a clown! I was, I was wondering where I heard the word Kafka before. Like, why that title sounded familiar. And then
3: that's probably why i don't think i actually heard of the of the book sorry uh <laughs> i i feel like this guy likes cats
0: there's another thing that's that's kind of in there somewhere um iq 84 was also it sounded really interesting i just thought that i would want to read like the one that was more uh um that was that was like one of his more original classics like one of the better ones mm-hmm. but like this one actually sounds pretty fucking cool um he said that the reference is is to George Orwell's 1984 um it was basically a like Technologically forward thing, which probably would have appealed to me better. Anyway, uh <laughs> fucking A. Right, just
1: uh, this guy's lost cat, I guess.
3: Well, there so here's the next thing. Uh Junji Ito. Um, which is
0: weird because I I don't know how the hell this came back into my life. I can't quite remember. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a really big fan of his. Um, ever since I saw the um the his one of his original comics was on reddit. He is a uh a japanese uh horror body horror uh comic comic artist um the Amagara fault was the was the first comic that i had ever read by him. It was called the enigma of the Amagara fault uh it's absolutely terrifying um what it's about in general is a uh basically in after an earthquake in Japan a giant fault is discovered on Amagara Mountain which is like very close to where the epicenter of the earthquake was mm-hmm. and on the slopes of the mountain there was two hikers that found the fault but they don't like they they have this weird like connection to it somehow and then they they look
3: At the side of the mountain and they see millions of human-shaped
0: holes in the side of the mountain. And people start to have dreams about it after it happened. And now, suddenly, there are hundreds of people making a pilgrimage To it as if they're compelled by like some insane force like it's like unstoppable and unstoppable force and then they basically like a news a news crew shows up on the scene because a guy found his hole he took off all of his clothes he crawled into the hole and he was never seen again. And that's why the news crew was there, because the guy disappeared. Now, the the other thing is that now, several months later, after multiple people have have disappeared into the cracks in the side of this fault in these human-shaped holes, they find out that on the other side of the mountain, there are more faults, and they're narrower. So what has happened is that on the other side of the fault you see an incredibly disturbing image of a man who has been spaghettified
3: by being pushed into the fault,
0: and he basically stretches out into oblivion. So, that's the body horror part, obviously. Uh, There is another... So, Adult Swim is actually adapting uh, another one of Junji Ito's stories to a physical anime. Which I'm very much looking forward to. It looks absolutely fucked up. It's super disturbing. Uh, but speaking of cats. Junji Ito also. Did a. Uh, did a manga about his cats. <laughs> which. Is really good. And it's like five bucks. If you, uh, if you ever want to look into it. Uh, it's a complete departure for him. It's a comedy Thing. How do you spell it's it? about him and his wife getting cats uh j-u-n-j-i-i-t-o junji
3: ito oh junji's his first name and Ito. yeah junji yeah um so like a lot of his stories involve the idea yeah. that like kind of people want
0: to destroy themselves like that's kind of the Amagara Fault concept, um, and then also about like uh, external um, external forces that you cannot control.
3: Like the whole Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Um, no, was, yeah, was yeah,
1: that that it? that's it, that's it. I'm looking at it right
0: now. Tommy's one of them, but then there's the one about the spirals. That's the one that I really oh, want okay. to uh, yeah, uh, use a maki. Uzumaki, yeah. That, so that's the one that they're adapting into the cartoon where the whole town is obsessed with these fucking spirals that show up in their town. Which to me is like really cool. Sounds very twin peaks. Like it's it's very like strange. Um Yeah, she uh the, the Tomi one was the other one that I really want to see. Uh ba 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 ba. But yeah, Junji Ito is disturbing. His work has inspired a lot of people uh, in the horror community, and I think the guy just deserves a lot, a lot of credit uh, for the for the type of shit he's doing. Uh,
3: so yeah, you know, I, I'm I love
1: the art Sick. of Junji uh, use a
3: Oh,
0: dude! Uh, they did a um, there was a there was a clothing uh, collab. Um, that some company did now I'm trying to remember who it was but they had the uh, they had that front the Uzumaki uh, front cover there with the girl with the spiral bore through her face
2: mm-hmm.
0: they had that on the front of a shirt and I was oh. like oh yeah baby that's <laughs> the stuff that's the one I want. Give
1: it to me. Nice and slow.
0: <laughs> dude, the fucking, uh, the looks that you would get when you wear a shirt like that, dude. Oh my God. Um, actually there's some ones at hot topic. <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, not that one. There is a, um, there is an Uzumaki, uh, shirt, but it's a girl's shirt
3: and it's actually one that you could wear. It's not disturbing. Uh, but it's but it is like real fucking cool.
0: Yeah, I just really really like that his work.
2: I was talking uh, about
1: the the Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind uh, mangas.
0: Oh oh yeah, the, that's that was a manga to start out with. Yes or no? Oh really?
2: Yes.
3: Uh, uh I've like. Oh, you know what else I want to read, Dylan, really bad? You know,
0: obviously, um, I'm a big fan of um, um, Brian Lee O'Malley, Mm -hmm. the guy who wrote Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. He just came out with a new novel called uh, Snot Girl. Oh, I've... Did you see that? That's on the Humble Bundle, by the way, Um, if you were interested in...
1: How new is it?
0: It's real new. It just came out on Image Comics.
1: It must be the collection, then
0: na uh, banana ba um yeah number uh, one uh, we're at number 1 through 3 are the current collections
1: yeah cuz i've heard of it a while ago i heard of it
0: yeah the the indivi- uh yeah obviously the individuals were coming out i never see any of the individual stuff like i only ever see ads for collections like if if i'm even looking at stuff like that well that's um, i mean
1: that's because
0: they wanna sell that. Well right, I mean well, no,
1: it's you're not gonna like a lot of times I don't know, it just seems harder that they don't really show or uh, advertise like single issues for yeah. really any comic. One of yeah, you that's when if you seen any co- like a a commercial for any comic, a lot of times it's just like a press release. I mean, the only way that I saw... Like, this person's right in this series come out, and then...
0: Yeah. The, uh, the only... Um... The only reason why I saw it was because I saw an ad for it on Instagram. Was that the... Was that the volume one had come out, and then... Then I see this Humble Bundle for Image Comics, and I was like, I know Image has some shit that I really like on it. Mm -hmm. Um they're kind of like my type of like graphic novel uh, production company. And so like, I wanted to, I got the humble bundle. I want, I'm going to read snot girl. And then there was a, the other one was uh, I wanted to read was shit. Uh, Blackbird. Um, yeah, that was, I wanted to read Blackbird and I wanted to read that one. And then there was one other one uh, from somebody that I really liked. Shit. Well, and then so there's another book that I also wanted to read that was actually done by Sarah Beatty uh, called um, Money Shot, which was about a group of uh, space pilots that decide that they're not making enough money doing what they're doing. So they're going to start a porno company. And they all had, they all shoot porno films on different planets that they travel to and post them online. Oh, <laughs> so I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a cool concept for a book. I still haven't even like, I st- I want to still read Saga. Like Jesus Christ, Wait,
1: I-, I I bought. What do I have? I have one, two, and three, maybe, and then I read.
0: Three. Yeah, I think I got like one and two, possibly. <laughs> um i I really really... like brian Brian k vaughn like a lot uh i just really like the concept of that story i don't even know what else he's written
1: uh paper girls
0: oh yeah shit he was Um, doing something
1: else too why he stopped doing saga
0: uh, oh, why the last man? That oh, was another one, yeah, dude. That was,
1: that was the, that's
0: one of those ones that always comes one. up on those lists where it's like these this is one of the best comics ever written. Oh, that was on Vertigo. Um Why the Last Man, and then he did Saga, and then he, yeah, he
3: get Paper Girls. That was definitely one I want to see. Um yeah, that's about it for him is like i mean he did a lot of shit for marvel um nothing really of like incredible note he did some runaway one shots um
0: but yeah you know nerd shit you know what i'm saying like real real hardcore nerd shit
1: yeah i don't even know how you got on this
0: I got on it because when you were asking me about media that I was consuming, then kind of one thing led to another. Oh, okay. And and that was, it's basically me talking about all the things that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm getting into gouache painting now, Dylan. I mean...
1: I don't know what that is.
0: Gouache is like a cross between acrylics and watercolors. It comes in like a very thick medium like an acrylic paint but you can water it down just like you could watercolors
1: i like watercolors
0: uh, watercolors like the coolest well the cool thing about gouache is that normally with watercolors you can only get to a certain level of saturation before it's like well i can't make this any darker or more opaque there's some uh, my paper yeah with gouache you can do a light what like so you can water it down like a piston and it'd be like a watercolor you do a light wash over the whole thing but then you can take more of the medium mix it in there and now it's an actual paintable opaque medium that can go straight over the top of the thin layer and anywhere in between so you can go from ultra thick wash all the way up to full illustration like really solid paint strokes cool yeah i bought this um You know, you ever get excited about buying art shit? You ever do that? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: New pens? Mm -hmm. I got this set from Japan. It's from a company called Mia. It's Himi. Himi gouache. Okay. And it's in this cool carry case. Yep. And all of them come in little pods that you take the lid off of. And then in the lid of it, there is a detachable mixing tray that comes right out. Oh. And an additional palette area for mixing. Fancy. Uh, it was freaking 15 or 20 bucks on Amazon. Got great reviews from people that somehow are in the know on a lane of YouTube that I've never gotten into in my life before, which is just people speed painting with gouache. Uh, and then I got some bomb-ass brushes from Transon, some synthetic brushes. And a big-ass pad of mixed media. This is the exciting part, Dylan. Just the possibilities. You know what I'm saying? A white piece of paper. A big, thick white piece of paper. Is what there anything better than what that? What you
1: got drawn in there, huh? Nothing. <laughs> How long have you had it for?
0: Uh, since Wednesday. Oh, okay. Last Wednesday. Yeah. I'm not, no. I, look... I'll tell you this. The inner monologue that I have in my mind about this, Dylan. I already know. I was just just joking. No, I want to say this because... I'm going to
1: be a fucking professional at this. The second I touch this brush to this pad, it's going to look like every video I watched on YouTube.
3: I think almost, Dylan, I'll be 30 in September. And
0: I know now that I think five six seven years ago that would have been what i would have thought what i would have thought in my head was i would have been so excited to get this these new materials into my incredibly talented and capable hands and that the the art will flow so effortlessly from me that it will be unable to be controlled but the truth the real truth of the matter is I have crippling anxiety that the minute that I pick up this paintbrush, it will look like a five-year-old's watercolor painting because I have no foundational reference for art. So instead, pretty I'm much at all, buy
1: all the stuff to do it and then just keep pushing it off.
0: Yep. I just keep looking at it, thinking right. about it. I'll t- you can't
1: yeah. be bad if you never do it. Dude. But it's right there. Come on, man. It's right Come there. On, so when, when you want to make something real good, you got it right there. But at this point, I'm not
3: bad at it. I'm the best. How could you be bad at something you don't do? I, you know, I feel like I I feel like it's very intimidating.
0: I don't know why. Physical media is so Fucking intimidating because it has a finality.
1: Here, let me give you a little words of wisdom. Pick up that, pick up that pad, uh,
3: pad right now. Yep. Here it is. You have every sheet in there to make a mistake on.
1: How many mistakes is that, Brunt?
0: All right, let's take a look here. On the front of this, it says fifteen sheets. Let's say it's front back, right? I don't know. Would let's you- say. You probably wouldn't do front back. Uh, uh mixed media paper. it's it's
1: pretty but you're thick. using water.
0: Uh yeah. I mean you can stretch it. You can stretch the paper and like it'll it'll kinda come back to its own. But okay, let's just say so, it's fifteen.
1: So so okay, so you have one book and you can make fifteen pieces of trash in there. Guess what? Mm-hmm. You can go to the store, you buy another book, no mistakes in it at all, you could do it all over again.
0: Wow. Thanks Tony Robbins. <laughs> I got gotcha, you. I dudes. have never I mean truly and 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 no bullshit that is fucking the best way to end this fucking thing that I've ever heard in my life. To any of you out there in the fucking ether from hundred, hundreds of years from now when somebody can hear my voice other than the five people that listen to this podcast right now, I just want to tell you that if you are scared that you're going to fuck up your 15 sheets of paper, there's another 15 sheets of paper at Michael's waiting for you to not fuck up. That's so you've inspired me, Dylan. I am going to this week. I am going to paint something in this fucking stupid thing. Whatever it is, I'm going to show it on next week's podcast. Whatever, I don't care what it is. I'm just going it, to, if it's an abstract thing just for me to get the sense of what the medium's like, perfect. If it's a thing that I actually try to plan out and do and it turns out horribly, even better. We're going we're gonna to go to the fucking loony bin together. I got a better show idea. You.
3: Go for it.
1: You do that and do you have a scanner? Yep. Scan it and then we'll use it as the background for the stream next week.
0: Yep. Let's do this thing. It's going to look like some Yoshi's Painted World or whatever the fuck that paint game is. look like a piece of shit five-year-old. Well,
1: I'll probably play Spongebob again, so maybe use...
0: You know yeah. what I'll do, Dylan? All right, use, so here's what we'll do.
1: Use the art uh, direction of Spongebob as your...
0: Yeah, I can make it as, reference. like, a re- I can use it as reference material. Yeah. I'll get, like, some floral stuff going on. I'll get some beachy shit some underwater will get going on that.
3: All right. My challenge has been accepted. For for next week's stream, I'm going to paint I'm going to background. paint the background for the stream.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Dylan, it's been an absolute pleasure, but I have to go digest this absolutely in indigestion causing food uh, in the comfort of my living room so I will leave you with the audio versions of this podcast are available in the description below. Dylan will edit both of these pieces together and this will sound like a whole podcast. This has been the Jacket Off Podcast We're out
3: Oh the answer to my part of my bit that I had was Spaceballs, bye (laughs) Ha <laughs>